You are listening to the Photo Bomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photo Bomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Howdy ho! Hopefully, this week we will have good audio. We have had audio issues last week completely on me. Uh, last week's episode, I screwed up on my audio end, uh, and um, I think hey, hey, Boo Ray, we got it right. Hey, Boo Ray, yes. You ever feel like we're bad at this? We are quite bad. <laughs> <laughs> are quite bad. No, no. Listen, we were we were getting good. We bought really good microphones, and we were hanging drapery to make it sound good. And then at yes. some point, we realized that the that we had to do this remotely. Here's what bothers me: is we still have really good microphones, and they're like in your closet. And I need to get my microphones from you so that we can start using those microphones, which are better than these microphones. And as a guy who was a radio disc jockey, microphones are very important to me. But we haven't yes. seen each other face to face since. What imaging USA in in January? I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. No, when I came to speak in in, in Orlando, I think, and maybe in that's February, true. Okay. I saw you there. Yeah, so as soon as yeah. we see each other face to face, and then I get my good microphone, and you have your good microphone, and then we get the little, I get a board so I can move that microphone into my computer as well. I think we are going to see a noticeable change, and that, my friend, is when the podcast is going to explode. That's when. So it's you th- <laughs> so you think that adding more gear. That it, more things that could go wrong into the chain of stuff that we're doing is going to really, really make us more successful. I don't think it would be that much stuff that could go wrong. It would just be a better microphone. It would just be, you know, we we need because these microphones are a little uh, reverby and tinny, you know. Yeah. Whereas well, we have those really good ones, you know, that we bought, and and uh, you go back and look at some of the shows where we use those. It's like, hey, all right, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Sounds like a studio. Well. Well, you know, I uh, we do have um, in my house now. I was thinking we've got a spare room because we've had water damage in my master bedroom. This whole saga of remodeling. And I've just in the last few weeks finished remodeling. We got furniture. Spent yesterday putting in a new IKEA closet system. By the way, screw IKEA. I hate yeah. them. And uh, everything they make is garbage. You said you spent yesterday putting in a closet system, mm-hmm. and by that you meant. The entire day. The entire. So um, the the funny thing is about IKEA is I feel like that IKEA furniture is like mall food court Chinese food, like okay. and you're walking by it and you see it and you go ooh, ooh, ooh bourbon chicken and then you and then you get the bourbon chicken you take it back to your table you open it up you take like three bites you're like God that was a huge mistake yes. it's like all <laughs> gristle and fat I'm not even it's sure this is an actual to return chicken. It. Yes. It's too cheap to bother with having to try and return it yes. to this store. I'm just going to keep this terrible piece of furniture for the rest of my natural life. And I did not know this because I generally hate going to Ikea because, um, in the words of Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. Like, yeah. it's the worst place. If you've never been to an Well, Ikea once you store, walk in, you, know, you can't get out without walking right. through every inch of they the store. They design it so you have to basically, or you feel like, there are cut-throughs and exits, but you feel like you have to walk through the entire, it's kind of genius. You have to walk through the sure. entire store to get out again. And the, and so I don't go. So we ordered this closet system from IKEA's website, and it came in. And uh, I opened up the instructions. I'm like, okay, this is in weird pieces because it's just one of those modular closet systems where you can kind of build it however you want. And it's literally just this like smiling little dude pointing at stuff. There's not a lick of written instructions no. on anything. No, because I it didn't has know to, that. Has to, they, they don't want to have to print multiple manuals, so they have the one manual for everybody. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty awful. Can you imagine if they um, did the camera manual that way? Because the camera manual, your camera manual is so thick because usually it's like it's in it's in Japanese because it's a Japanese company, <clears throat> and then it's in American. Is there a third language for the like Spanish? The sometimes there's yeah, usually Spanish. Spanish. That's why it's so thick. Can you imagine if they tried to do your camera manual the way that IKEA? Does their manuals where it was just like a little guy pointing at the at the AV button or a little guy point, pointing at the histogram and, like and, and, and trying reason, to convey to you what the histogram does just with icons. Were you wondering what happened to Ziggy, the character, they, the main character yeah, from comics? He now works for Canon and he just does their manuals. That'd be an interesting project to try and like explain some some process in photography just using like the IKEA man. Ooh, well, that would be pretty. You know what it is? It, it would just be a picture of uh, Ziggy dropping a camera in a trash can. That should yeah, be like because those manuals. I used to keep my manual um, by my computer, and any time that I was doing anything on my computer, it was like I have to upload something or anything that we were, you know, and they have to wait, you know, for the green bar. I would just reach over, pick it up, and just flip to a page at random and start reading. And you'd be amazing at how how amazing how many things I learned about what my camera could do just by doing yeah. that. Yeah, I flip like, like three hundred oh. settings. I didn't. Yeah, I flip. I'm like, oh, oh, you know, high speed sync. I didn't know where that was. I didn't, you know, because you can't be expected to read the damn thing and no. just absorb it all. The only thing I know how to do is like format the card and change the basic settings. You get into it, it's like, but it it was probably like three years of working in photography before I bothered looking to how to do a custom white balance. <laughs> well, you know what I was so I many learned, buttons. I what I learned. I I always thought that when you did a custom white balance. Like, you know, you get the big white, custom white balance thing. I thought that you really had to fill the frame with that. And you don't. Mm-mm. Nope. Like, because I shot a custom white balance when I was working for you in Las Vegas. And it was a group. As long as you have that, you know, black, gray, white bit thing in the shot, you'll get a pretty good custom white balance. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I always thought, you know, you had to close in on it and just shoot that. I think they both it works. It's not like it's not going to work if you do it one way or the other. And well, yeah, certainly but if you bounce your percentages, but if, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But if you're bounce flashing, you're moving. You have to you have to move your camera closer to do that, and, and now you're throwing off the ratio of flash to ambient, so you're not going to get a true. You know, you you need to get a custom white balance from the same distance that you're shooting the right. photograph. Correct. And, you know, yeah. and so I and I didn't know that about that target. I don't think I knew it until I did it. With, I think you might have been the one that told me. I don't know. And I was just, and another example of how no matter how long you do this, you're always learning something, and you're like, how how could I not? I'm so embarrassed that I didn't know that all the time. All the time, and you know that's why I encourage people that are, especially instructors in the industry. It's like, don't walk around and act like you're better than anybody else. Because let me tell you what, that that guy over there, maybe he doesn't take award-winning images, but uh, he might be able to actually tell you how to make your camera work properly, yeah. <laughs> or, like cal- or calibrate your lens, or something else is going to change how you do things forever. You know, it's uh, um, it's such there's so much to learn. It's part of the one of the things I think is attractive about it for me is that I, I I'm learning new stuff all the time, which is challenging. But uh, mostly, I just like to sit and uh, rest on my laurels of what I already know how to do. I I feel like I'm closed off for new information now. I'm all done. I sent my and camera. Not- I sent my camera off to Canon <laughs> to have it cleaned. Uh, it's on its way back. And um, you want to take a guess on the price tag there to have it uh, cleaned up and serviced from the from With the Canon? Canon? Yeah. CPS member? Yes. Free ninety nine. How much? Should be free ninety nine, or at least tw- you get two cleans a year. Uh, hey, yeah, yeah. You got to send in the free clean and check coupon that comes with your packet when they send it to you. I did. Uh, well, yeah, there you, you go. Get- there you go. I guess I didn't you, do that. Damn it! <laughs> you should get to clean your camera, twi- a, a camera or other piece of equipment. 
twice a year for free with your CPS membership. Go look up. Go grab the folder. I'm getting right here. Okay, I got my folder. I see it. I got my folder right here. There's an actual coupon in here somewhere? Yeah, there should be free clean and check coupons in there. Okay, I got the Gold Rush Repair stuff. I got the... I got the. Uh, did they stop doing the clean and checks recently? I don't know. Like, Maybe they, they did because there's no, there's nothing in here, my friend. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go to the website because that co- would be it a cost bummer. me. It cost me like two fifty to get it done, and then, um, I mean, they probably did some other stuff to it too. Um, I mean, I can bring it up, and then, but then of course you had to be a, a member, and so that was a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I, I pay that. You know how much? How many times that I've, you know, gotten. You know, dropped crap or had them repair stuff for me. I've even sent in a lens where the autofocus was broken, and it was such a simple repair. It was just like reattaching a little wire on the inside, and they sent it back to me. Didn't charge me anything. Like I have stuff like that. All I've sent in cameras for cleanings that are missing the rubber eye stopper for the viewfinder, and they'll just put a new one on and send it back, and never. You know, they do all kinds of stuff like that. So I mean, I'm I'm happy to to pay it, especially when you know I drop stuff a lot, like a lot. Yeah, but I uh, that's a good point. Yeah, don't you get like two free I mean I checked on the form just you know, like general maintenance and I wrote in the box the rubber hand grip is needs to be glued down. But that's about it. So right. yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm logging in I'm to check say, it out. Are you looking the, right now to find out? I'm, I'm looking it up. Maybe we'll have a verdict by the end of the uh, I would like I would like to get my two hundred and fifty dollars back. If that's at all possible, two hundred and fifty dollars for and, one cleaning. Yes. Well, I gotta, I gotta pull up and find out exactly what they did uh, to find out if that's because um, they, you know, they send you a little, they send you a little thing back. Oh yeah. man, you know what I have not done? I have not put my five D Mark IV in my CPS listing. That's pretty cool. Okay, I get to add that. Get to get more points. I don't know what that does or whatever. I'll anyway. I'll check that out and I'll post that on the page. Or email that to you later. But uh, so we have a couple of interesting news stories that I found this week. Okay, let me just jump in real quick. I have my sheet in front of me now, uh, and there were parts. I don't know what was done, but there were apparently parts. Yeah, two, two, if, if 250 is what they charge for cleaning, it's just taken somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like that's- yeah. Well, listen, I've had mine cleaned for 50 bucks someplace else, and you have you seen my camera? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Wait, wait, let's just back up and talk about how much crap and sand and sweat and grime are probably caked inside your camera. Oh, my camera's disgusting. I, if you, I, I've had people pick it up when I was teaching, and someone's trying to do something and, and say, Here, use my camera. And then when they look through it, they go, Oh my God, how do you even? It's like looking through a sandstorm. It's disgusting. <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the mirror is covered in filth, and the, the eyepiece is covered in filth, and it's just disgusting. And that's like after one week. There's no Do getting around Do people like generally like rush for hand sanitizer after they're yeah. holding your gear? Oh, it's just awful. <laughs> it's just awful. And and the rubber on the uh, on the lenses is always turning white from the sand <laughs> and the water. Yeah, that's uh, pretty gross, man. I yeah. mo- I mostly work in the studio and uh, my stuff's pretty clean. And, You're uh, spoiled. I really like it that way. <laughs> I am a little I am a little spoiled by my current uh, lifestyle. I got to be honest with you. It's it's working in the studio is super super nice. Yeah. But I wanted to point out this uh, article um, that I found. This is uh, we posted this re- this week on the Facebook page and on Petapixel. They posted that uh, there's a guy wrote an article. To discover this week that my 500 pix marketplace photo is being sold elsewhere, and I haven't gotten a dime of sale. So 500 pix, which is a very popular photo sharing website, and they also have a marketplace to sell stock photos, is uh, selling images apparently on Fotolia, which is a different stock website. 
And uh, this whole article is about that's on the Facebook page. So, like, the guy had given his images up to 500 pics to possibly be sold to stock photos to 500 pics. And now they're, he finds them online being sold at another website. And he contacted the website to say, is this image actually, or contact, saw the image being used, contacted the guy, said, where did you get this? He said, I got this from Fotolia. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And apparently it is actually true, and they're not paying the photographers. So, like, is Fotolia, like, sub-licensing the images from 500 pics? And doesn't seem like any of that money is going back to the makers. So that's potentially a pretty pretty bad knock for 500 pics, which is a really a massively popular photo-sharing site. So popular that I've never heard of it. You've never oh dude it's it's uh, it's got some really amazing work on it I've been uh, I've, I've found uh, even people who I've suggested to be speakers at photography conferences on 500 pics I'm like you need to check this guy's workout or whatever like it's it's got some pretty in fact even if you have like a Google Chromecast um, those images that scroll in the uh, screensaver by default are images pulled from 500 pics which is pretty cool so those are uh, those are pretty neat. Yeah, I'm just there. Uh, the premier photography community, 500 pics or whatever. But there's some really, really cool stuff on there, and you can create a profile, upload work of your own, stuff like that. It's pretty cool. But I thought that that was, uh, you know, in, in the current climate, especially for us that are involved with PPA and all the copyright stuff, the grassroots campaign going on, I thought that's a pretty devastating. I mean, the photography industry doesn't really mess around with copyrights. I remember a few years ago with Annie Leibovitz, and she was like, like lost the rights to her catalog because she was using images that her assistant had taken, like scouting locations. Really? You, no. You don't I remember don't, that story? I don't remember this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So basically she has uh, – and, and I'm a huge fan of hers, love her to death, and I, and I, and I honestly think that this is sort of a, a big whoops. It's not like she's hurting. I just she, They just put out the new – she does a cover of Vanity Fair like every other month. I mean she's okay. Right. She's doing all right. You know, she's fantastic. Annie Leibovitz is one of the few you know, known by name – Photographers out there. Um, yeah, I'm just looking up the article. Yeah, but she, uh, yeah, she would be one of the people that uh, people who aren't photographers uh, would know. Yeah, she's got copyright issues. Abby Leibovitz pawns copyright to life's work to pay debts. It's pretty tough. But one of the, um, she had a self settlement that she had to pay because she basically sent out one of somebody that worked for her to scout locations for a potential shoot, and they take photos of the location in different angles and stuff to send it back to her. And what had apparently happened is she ended up using part of what, because most of her images are composited, at least in part nowadays, her commercial work. So these are, um, a lot of them are real simple, beautiful studio stuff, but you know, like the celebrities where there's like 50 celebrities in it. There's a lot of compositing going on in her work. Oh, really? Yeah, truly. I, I, and, I, I always assumed when she does like a cover of Vanity Fair and it's the Hollywood issue, you know, and it's like Spielberg, I, you know, because if, if you read, it'll, it usually says like shot, you know, on lo, you know, shot at blah blah blah. I always kind of assumed that those weren't that. That was what made them so cool was that they actually got those five, you know, Denzel Washington, Tom Cruise, and I'm David sure Snow. some are, but like there, she's I've seen one where there's like a hundred celebrities in it, and there's no oh, way well, to get yeah. all those right. And I know that like the one she did for Disney World, where Lyle Lovitz is the Mad Hatter, or, or Queen Latifah is yeah. is the Ursula, the, the Ursula, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I know those, of course, were heavily. Uh, Photoshop, but I always thought that the just the simple standing on a giant backdrop uh, pictures. I always thought it, I'm man, sure if that they're, there if they're compositive. That's some good damn work because they. I mean, I'm sure they, that you know. the uh, that there are images that are and that aren't. But I mean, to work in commercial photography and not composite is well, just yeah. not even feasible. You know, um, but yeah, there she uh, anyway. So she, apparently, she ended up using one of the assistant's images or something or part of it or in 
well, the final version of the image, and they didn't get paid or get credit for it or something like that. She has, she's had some copyright issues in the past, which kind of sucks. But um, so I'm just looking at this this 500 pics article, and I'm surprised I haven't heard more people talking about it because uh, to to basically be taking somebody's work and then reselling it, I, I would assume that that would cause problems. But it doesn't seem like anybody knows that it's even going on. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, that was an interesting story. If you want to catch up on that, hit up on the Photobomb Facebook page, that and a bunch of other stories, including one that I really liked from recently, which was a uh, uh, the military's like radar gun that can uh, shoot down drones with invisible laser rays. <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's pretty cool. Yeah, there's Listen, a whole we, video. Before we get off on the copyright thing, because you know we have, I have a, I have, we had an email come in from a, a listener about copyright, too. Oh, cool. All so right. We want to circle back around to that. Uh, but also, if you haven't gone to the PPA's website, which is uh, ppa.com? Yep, that's the one. Okay. I always, <laughs> I'm never sure with com versus org. Uh, and you ha- if you haven't signed up for the grassroots uh, campaign, please go to ppa.com and sign up for the grassroots campaign. We're getting closer to the point where we're going to need everybody to click a button and send an email to their uh, representative in Congress to get them to try and move forward on a small claims process for. Uh, copyright infringement so that if someone takes your image like we're talking about here and sells it without your permission or uses it for their advertising without your permission you will have some sort of recourse to be able to get them to come to the table and that's what they're trying to pass in congress and that's what we need your help with so please go to ppa.com and sign up for the grassroots campaign now we also got an email from bonnie heath who sent us an email and she said that she has lost uh, several corporate clients because of her um, copyright issues, <clears throat> uh, business and corporate headshots. She's, she's had a few clients balk at my contract because what they want is to own full copyright of the photos that I take for them. Uh, she says um, both parties would have to sign over a copyright transfer agreement in order for that person to get copyright. And that's true. Sounds pretty unusual, and most photographers wouldn't do it without negotiating a higher price right. She says, um, how do you write a contract that makes corporate clients comfortable? Do you include print runs under 5000 I just lost uh, my third business client in the last few months because they are not happy with my contract. Thanks, Bonnie. Uh, huh. and, and you do a lot of corporate work, especially with headshots. And I mean, I'm sure you do it the same way I do. Don't you sign over full rights to headshots? Um, no, I mean, just a licensing and usage agreement that's included. I get a model release from each person. I do get pushback from time to time on people who don't want to sign a model release. And I do get some corporate clients that do want a full buyout of the rights to the images. Um, I did a shoot for a company that um, does education work for the Department of Defense where I was shooting on um, MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa. And I was a whole day shooting military personnel in uniform. Um, military vehicles, stuff like that. And I did this um, stock photo shoot, basically creating images for the military. And they are like in- included in the pro- – they have to buy us out. They get all the raw files and I can't use them for anything. And that's part of the that's part of the negotiation of the price. And so we do charge more for a full buyout, um, which is you know basically I don't have the rights to the images anymore, and so we definitely right. charge for that. I've had However, that. I've done a wedding for someone in the witness protection program. Yeah, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> How have we never talked about that? That's unbelievably cool. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, I think that um you know I'm pretty flexible on it. it it's it's one thing if you're new and you want every image is going to end up in your portfolio or you want to put it on your website, but I've got so many thousands of shoots 
um, under my belt at this point. That I don't if, if if we get something that somebody doesn't want me to use, or they don't want to sign a model release, or they want a different kind of copyright, I don't have a problem doing it. What's important to have is access to um, an attorney that can do that stuff for you. So um, over time, if you take the jobs that you've lost or requests that you've gotten, you can, instead of having to pay an attorney to rewrite a new contract for you every time you get these jobs, you can have them create paperwork for you that is more flexible, different kinds of uh, contracts with different uh, clauses and waivers that you're able to use in them. And so it's definitely something you have to consult an attorney on. It's very common for big companies to want different things than an individual headshot session. I ver- One time I photographed the you know, the wife of uh, an NBA player for a business that she was starting and for a personal branding session, and she didn't want me to use the images anywhere. I wasn't allowed to post on Twitter or Instagram or anything, and they wouldn't do the shoot unless we gave them a, you know, a signed document to that effect. And I don't have any problem doing that at all. I mean, some photographers will go, well, it's mine, and I'm the artist. I'm like, okay, give me money. I would take sure. the money. Yes, if the price is right, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I, I abs- I'm cheap that way. <laughs> Most of my clients really don't even care. They sign the model release. They don't even look at it. Well, let's talk it. about this, even... though. You said you give your you give your clients usage rights. <laughs> right. What does that mean? Well, it's as long as it's not for um, resale purposes. Like if it's for an advertising campaign or something like that, it's completely different. Like if they're spending a ton of money putting it in a national ad, then I'm going to need to get paid a licensing fee based on how they use it. Or they pay me a very large buyout number at the beginning. So let's say, for example, if I had a client who wanted me to shoot some stuff for a advertising advertising campaign for a national product, a national brand, and they wanted to um, have just pay me my session fee, like that wouldn't work. No, they have to pay me to use the image, and you can do a buyout um, and get more money up front. But sometimes a licensing fee can pay you more money over time because the licensing fee has a limited time on it. You can either do it in perpetuity, which is basically they get to use it for as long as they want forever, or you can do it on a renewable license. You know, a commercial license used to be one or two years. I think as times got tough economically for photographers, a lot of people started doing longer licensing. And that is also something that you can negotiate in a fee to get the job. You can say, well, I'll give you a three-year license instead of a one-year license or a two-year license. But for the most part, if my average client for a headshot session, if they're going to use it for their self-promotion on their website, on their IMDb page, or on their LinkedIn, um, or social media, Flyers. I don't really. Care. That's all included in the general usage agreement, a limited copyright and usage agreement. They have the right to use it for their own self promotion, um, up to and including they want to buy local magazine ads or local billboards. That's all included in the licensing and usage agreement. How now, long is your licensing usage agreement? I for mean, most, that sounds like a lot. Uh, yeah, but it's it's not actually. But for mo- for in perpetuity, uh, for most of my individual sessions, because like again. They're going to no, look what I mean is how long is the actual document? <laughs> it <seems> oh. like- <laughs> it's not. It's not long at all. It's actually digital. It's all in our studio management system, and we have a. But we do work with an attorney who is specifically um, who's local in my area, and she. We actually have her working on all new contracts for us for everything right now because every few years you got to go through everything, and and just like was it Bonnie? Just like Bonnie said, like Bonnie. you got to you got to go through it as you get inquiries as you lose stuff because of it or as you get new questions or have to make changes you should really review all your contracts every couple of years and work with an attorney on updating them and say hey these are the things that I've gotten that I didn't have a um, that, that I didn't have a, 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 
a line in the contract for that I didn't have any mechanism to deal with this. And so these are the ways I need to update it. Um, and, and I always, because I work with businesses inst- mostly, uh, I always have a contract. And I know photographers that, um, like friend of the show, excellent photographer, good friend Megan DePiro, she's very anti-contract, because, but she works mostly with individuals and does personal glamour and beauty, and it's a much more boutique business. I work with big companies, and I need a piece of paper that says, this is what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it, and this is how much it's going to cost you and when you're going to pay me. I well, have to have that. Big companies often want it, too. <clears throat> The big companies, the ones right. that come Absolutely. back to you, and they're like, "I would like a W nine, and I would like a copy of the of the release, <laughs> yeah. and I would like, a, you know, they're very much about having the paper trail." And not only that, when I work with large companies, you'll find out that they will typically pay their biggest bills first. Like if they've got somebody that, that you know what I mean, they're going to pay the big companies that they owe big money to are going to get paid first. The little guys, like if I got a job that pays me six thousand bucks or something, that's nothing to a large company like some of the ones that I work for, and they'll let that one slide. That's not even a blip on their radar. So this is why I get paid in, in advance. <laughs> Make sure that I get paid <laughs> because um, if you get put on like that thirty, sixty, ninety day billing cycle, you'll pull your hair out chasing chasing money down. I don't like right. chasing money checks, man. Money checks. That's my favorite cereal. Money. I don't like <laughs> I don't like chasing money. I don't like calling my clients and bothering about money. And most of the time, I'm such a small line item for them. I just don't even worry about it. But it's important to, to get your contracts in order. Keep a running list of things, problems that you run into throughout the course of a year. Things that should be added or changed or amended or have some kind of mechanism for in your paperwork. And then every year or two, take that to an attorney that does this type of work and have them rewrite. It's going to cost you. Anywhere from a couple of hundred to a thousand bucks, depending on how much stuff that they give you. But it's just part of the cost of doing business to have your paperwork in order. You need to be able to just say to a corporate client, fine, whatever you want. Like, as long as you get compensated for it, I really don't care about um, – because do I really care about using those images? Not really that much, and it really depends on what they want. Um, but write everything down, take it to an attorney, and make sure that you got mechanisms for all eventualities in your paperwork as much as you possibly can. Keep it flexible and be agreeable unless you just really don't want to make money, <laughs> in, which case, in which case do what you want. Dealing in the corporate world is completely, completely different than weddings and portraits. And I find that um, I get all kinds of strange requests from companies. But as long as it's in the paperwork and there's uh, expectations are managed, I'm totally good with it. All right. Tell me about the drone cannon. <laughs> Is that what you've been sitting thinking about this whole time? No, but I didn't. I wanted to come back. To, I didn't want you to think I'd forgotten about it because uh, I kind of you started to talk about it, and then I oh. brought you back to this. And I wanted to. I wanted you know, if I was listening to the show, I'd be like, but I really wanted to hear about the drone cannon. They forgot about it. He, you know, <laughs> so yeah. let's get on that. Well, if you go on to the uh, uh, C, it's, I found this on CNN Tech, and it's a it's an anti drone ray gun. And it basically it's the anti UAV unmanned on air vehicles, and uh, it basically can shoot down drones. So here's how it works: it scans radar detecting zones like around up to six miles away, and then it's got an optic camera, electrical optic camera that tracks them, and then it uses a radio frequency jamming system to take the drone down, like within six miles. Like it shoots like a radio Whoa. beam. So at this the is drone. like for a military application or, oh, yeah. or, or well, an it's airport totally, it's, or something. It's completely military, yeah. The military's got crazy stuff that's even better than that. Uh, but this is something, this is radar tracking and radio. It's a radio gun that takes down drones, tracks all flying objects. And this is something that you're going to start to see, if not already, being installed at airports and stuff all over, uh, all over the country, possibly the world. This is some really cool tech. 
that um, it's it's still under evaluation by the FAA, but it's a really cool article. There's a whole video that shows you everything right on the Photobomb Podcast Facebook page that shows you the unit and everything. So, yeah, for photographers, um, I'm just waiting for the first couple of news stories where we got photographers flying drones that are, uh, you know, going to get shot out of the sky by something six miles away. <laughs> That's pretty crazy when you wow. think about it. Well, you yeah. know, there was a story not too long ago about a guy who uh, his neighbor was flying his drone over his house where his daughter was sunbathing, and he went outside and shot it down with a shotgun and then got, you know, sued for it and lost because, according to the law, he wasn't doing anything wrong by flying the drone. If you're over a certain height, then it's free airspace and you can do whatever you want. But most people agreed with the guy with the shotgun. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, most people, most people, you know, legally, you did something wrong, but I think most people agreed that a guy flying, a, I have a privacy fence for a reason. And yeah, not to you know, mention discharging a firearm in a residential well, area. Well, there's a problem, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a whole, that's, <laughs> that's a whole that's probably a bad issue, idea. You know, uh, but, uh, yeah, but I would be annoyed. I have a privacy fence for a reason because I want privacy, you know. And I don't Absolutely. want, you know, I remember reading, I was seeing a thing on, um, on some show years ago where uh, there was a neighborhood and they all, they all had privacy fences and the houses are backed up against each other. And then someone had built like a, a fort for their son, which was basically like just a big platform, you know, with a roof over it. And they had built it above the level of the privacy fence. So this little boy, this boy would climb up in his little fort there and then just stand there and look down in everybody's yard all day. And the neighbors are like, I'm out here at my pool and stuff. And I got this nine-year-old kid staring over the fence at me the whole time we're out here. And we would like that to be taken down. And they were like, why? What's wrong with it? And they were like, because we have a privacy fence. The whole point of having a privacy fence is that our neighbors aren't supposed to be able to see into our yard. And now you've built basically a ladder so that you can see into my yard. Uh, and I'm not sure. You know, I'm like, I, I don't know which side to come down on that. I see the point of the privacy fence, but at the same time. Ain't no government going to make me take down my perv tower. I mean, tree right. floor. <laughs> that's right. I will def- I'll defend my tree house with my cold, bare hands. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, uh, I- interest- As an aside, there's one more drone-related thing I want to talk about. DJI has just uh, come out with the Spark and if you're familiar with uh, DJI, they make all these drones. And for photographers, this is becoming more and more critical, drone photography, especially commercial photographers. Um, but everybody, I think, who's in, who knows about drones has already seen how cool, like, the Mavic Pro is. The Mavic is, like, was the smallest 4K, like, pro-level quality drone. But you could actually – it's got, a, like, a carabiner attachment. Like, you can hook it to a backpack and take it away. Um, it's so small when you, you, sorry, you fold you the little – carabiner attachment? Like a hook. Like is that I, I know what it is, but is that how you say that word? How do you say it? I don't know. I, I, re, I, I read Car- it, but I don't know that I've ever actually said it out loud. Carabiner? <laughs> Carabine? Carab- is it carabine? Carbonara? I don't know. No, that's okay. something else. Carlina mana? Kala, Kalima? Carabine. Kalima. Ka- carabine? No. A carabine? Carb- a carabine? I think I might would say carb- carbine? Carb- I don't know. Car- okay. How do, you pronounce, how do you pronounce the word carabine? You you continue with your story and I'll find out. Okay, it's C A R A B I N E R, and you can uh, let's see. I'm looking it up on Wikipedia, and it says carabiner. I don't know. I, I don't know how to read things phonetically either. Anyway, so let's just call it the carabiner. 
which is totally not the point. But DJI just uh, just did a whole uh, thing, I think, at the like uh, one of these big electronic shows where they show the Spark, which is like their newest, smallest drone. And it basically does everything that the Mavic Pro does, like all the crazy video and all of the collision avoidance. I mean, just some incredible, incredible technology. And not only that, but you can even control it with just your phone or even hand gestures telling it where to go or to stop or to come and land. And it recognizes your face, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff you can do with it. And this thing is literally like $500. Wow. $500. It's got 16-minute flight time. Uh, it's got a 1.2 mile distance of transmission, and it flies at about uh, 50 kilometers an hour, which is like you know two miles. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much kilometers are, which is you know basically 20, 28, 30 miles an hour. It's got a, a steady cam, a two-axis gimbal, and it takes 12 megapixel stills, and you can even get a combo. That uh, includes an extra battery, uh, the controller to attach your smartphone, a whole bunch of other stuff, extra blades, and that all included is six ninety nine for a wow. drone. Like unfreaking believable, a drone that's like, I, I and five. Basically, my camera costs forty five hundred dollars or thirty five hundred dollars. I forget how much the five D Mark IV cost thirty five hundred for the body. That was it, and it doesn't fly. it does 4k video but it does not fly like this thing is so cool i would definitely if you are looking to get into or add drone photography to your services um and want to play around with a drone that's like the there's a whole video of a guy who is a uh kind of a a cinematographer drone expert and he goes and he takes this to his mother and gets his mom his like 70 year old mom to use it and she starts using it like flawlessly like it's so easy to use and easy to fly, it'll basically fly itself, and it's and you could get really cool shots with it for like, and it's a five hundred dollar drone. Like it's almost crazy not to have it. So when do you think, when do you think we're going to see like the first uh, commercial movie shot entirely with drones? You know, it's I don't coming, know, right? Just like you know, the know. first people to shoot movies with a five D Mark III, or the first people to with the Steadicam. You know, it's only a matter of time before somebody says, "Well, you know, let's just shoot a movie with drones." What what, well, what what would a movie look like if all the camera angles were shot? You know, with that sort of that sort of complete freedom. I don't know. I think that the biggest. I think that it, it can replace. Um, a lot of more expensive equipment. I think you're getting oh my God, shots yeah. and stuff, and you're not even realizing that you're getting it. If you watch um, um, uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, you know every episode starts with him highlighting the car that they're going to be driving, and there's always these long crane shots, you know, down right. the car and over the car. And it's just they've got a couple drones out there with GoPros on them. That's all. Yeah, to get all that yeah. stuff. And yeah. you, I mean, I've seen, I've seen that. I was shooting a wedding once in South Carolina, and they had like the video guys were all there, and they had a full on jib system, like bringing this big crane over the dance floor. Yeah, I'm like golly, and they used it out of the ceremony, which was out of doors. And although the biggest draw drawback for something like that is these things make quite a lot of noise. It sounds like a, a, a swarm of bees, but uh, it's uh, what, what's cool about it is you can even tell it what height to fly at relative to the ground so you could do like a tracking shot like a a full-on slider shot and to follow you or to go along and just shoot people's feet you could tell it to fly a foot off the ground and just go and it'll actually stay relative height 
to the ground. Like, if the ground goes up, it will go up with the ground and maintain right. a foot height. Like, it's crazy that you can – I mean, and for 500 bucks, I, I'm, I, I'm definitely buying a drone, like, soon. <laughs> I, like, it's, it's literally like they're just going to start giving them to you when you're born. They're just going to hand yeah. you a drone. I, have, I can't get one because I'm afraid I'll become the drone guy. I'll be drone I'll be like golf I'll have to I'll yeah. just be all in the drone and then my business will suffer and I'll be you know you'll have to have an intervention because well, I'll just be so is, into my drone the batteries only last 16 minutes at a time so you really can't go out shooting drones all day unless you buy a whole lot of batteries I have two but, or three know, not wanting to be that guy currently I'm the guy drinking out of a coffee mug uh, that looks like a Canon lens <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, yeah, I kind of like those. I, I, I didn't like those coffee mugs at first, but now I'm kind of coming around to them. The yeah, good you know, ones. I like, I like the the big ones. I like the ones that look like the 7200 that are fully thermal. You know, mm-hmm. that hold a well, lot. I, I'm sure that this is uh, uh, the result of an adult not knowing what to buy another adult for Christmas. Yes. yes. You know, <laughs> it's like, hey man, uh, I know one thing about you that you're a photographer. <laughs> so everything that I buy you as a present from now until the end of time will be related to photography. Yes. Even though you do photography all day, and that's what you want to come home to, but uh, it's actually pretty cool. I don't remember who got it for me. Hopefully, not my wife. Uh, but I think that it's a pretty cool cup. Anyway, uh, so just some cool drone stuff. I think that if you're in professional photography and you're not keeping an eye on what's going on with drones, I think that that is a mistake. Because I think I've, I know photographers now that are using them a lot. I've gotten inquiries just in the last couple of months. A lot of people going, "Oh, I need." aerial shots of this or drone shots of this and it, it at this point i've gotten a couple just in the last month and i'm having to hire people who have a drone and the, and a license to pilot one to come out and do these shots for me hmm. and so it would behoove me to go ahead and get that myself in order to be able to make more money on this or at least to, to be able to do it um and it, honestly if you've got a drone and know how to fly it and and, and can get a, a commercial license to fly the drone um you could make a you can if 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 you've got a need to make a little extra money, you could hire yourself out to commercial photographers who don't have this, or to other photographers who might be doing this for real estate or other things. Like it's a pretty cool gig, and the equipment is not very expensive to get into anymore. Four ninety nine, six ninety nine for the whole damn bundle for the Spark. And by the way, DJI wow. does not sponsor us. I think they're just making the most innovative drone equipment for people at the moment. All right, That's it's time to cool wrap stuff. this thing up. Do you have anything else you need to add before we uh, um, do all the breakdown stuff? No, not really. I know we got IPC is coming up, and that's right. the International Photographic Competition. We'll talk about fact, that next week. Yeah, but the, just just to remind everybody that it today uh, the, this will release on May 29th, and that if you want, I just pinned it to the top of the Photobomb Facebook page. It's got the deadlines, the new rules, and everything. And the, I think the the early bird deadline is June 20th. And so, like, you have to have – don't have to have – there's a late deadline, which I think is July 7th or something. But you have to have everything in by July 7th at the absolute latest or else you're going to miss out. So if you go to the Photobomb Podcast Facebook page right there, pinned to the top of the page, um, is a post I shared from a friend of the show, Richard Sturdivant, who posted all of the – the link to the PPA's page gear up for the International Photographic Competition 2017, all the deadlines, rules, and everything else, a whole article from PPA Magazine where you can uh, go find out all that information. Uh, don't forget that uh, coming up next week, I will be in Mississippi, Alabama at Lake Point State Park Resort and Eufaula 
Alabama. Go to ppma.net and uh, check it out there. Please come out and see us. I'm going to do a full day on five-minute photography, how to shoot a great picture of anybody anywhere at any time of the day in five minutes or less. Uh, We've got IPC coming up, of course, July 30th through August 3rd. The Focus Convention, September 9th through the 11th. The Focus Convention. I'm pretty stoked about this. It's really am. It's going to be a very good convention. I'm very excited about a great lineup. It's a hell of a lineup. lineup. Like a a really, really good lineup. Great lineup of speakers and Photobomb Live will be there. Uh, And then coming up uh, September 29th to October 2nd, the Exposed 2017 Convention at the Jekyll Island Conference Center. Go to gppa.com. Uh, I will be there as well. What have you got coming up? Aren't you? Did you go? You haven't gone to San Diego yet, right? That's coming no, up. No, a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, uh, I'll be headed out to San Diego, San Diego. Um, on June thirteenth, I'll be doing a headshot intensive with the San Diego, the PPA of San Diego. If you go to ppsdcc.com, that's going to be at the University of San Diego. It's going to be a whole day of just intense uh, headshot, lighting, and posing, and all that stuff. So it should be really, really cool. Um, June nineteenth, I will be uh, on my way back. I'll be hitting up Austin, Texas, hanging out with my buddy Al Binky, and I'll be doing a uh, business of headshot program for the Austin PPA. And so that'll be pretty cool. Check that out. I think it's austinppa.com. In addition, just uh, just signed up uh, the paperwork. I will be in January in London. And I'll be doing two programs for the SWPP. That's the Society of Wedding and Portrait Photographers. And I'll be doing a couple classes for them. So if you happen to be one of our listeners in the UK and you want to come hang out, I will be there. And I believe that information is going to be on swpp.com. Unless that's like the Save the Whales. Yep, no, that's the wrong thing. <laughs> it's not the right. I'll get this on the... If you want the... Uh, Photo, photo uh, bomb news and where we're all going to be. Ah, it's SW... No, no. SWPP.org? I don't know. Nope, that's the Society of Workforce Professionals. Okay, so basically <laughs> I signed a contract for a thing that doesn't exist. You know, um, every so three-letter domain name has been bought. And I would wonder if every four-letter domain name has been bought. It's the it's SWPP.co.uk is the okay. website. And so that's going to be, uh, and there's all kinds of information. They just released who all the speakers are going to be, and it's right in London. It's a really cool place. It's going to be cold as balls, but we're going to make it work. <laughs> and so it's going to be. I find it interesting that balls can be extremely cold and both extremely hot, depending. It can, it can be hot as balls. It can also be cold as balls. Yeah, as well, balls just represents ex- extremity or like the extreme, I guess. <laughs> I'm not really sure, uh, but what are you going to do? They balls can be hot or cold. This is true. That's, That's what I'm saying. You know, there's, there's nothing else to describe as both hot and cold, depending on what you're trying to say. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'll be judging and uh, judging and speaking, and this is the full convention is... Uh, the 10th of January through the 14th of 2018. And so that's coming up. It's a little ways away, but uh, I will be there, make plans to meet me in London and have a pint. Oh, stuff. man. Yeah. that's And, you know, and you're going to get a passport this time. Oh, yeah. Already working on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure my paperwork is together so that I can make it back in, out of and back into the country. Yeah. It would be less entertaining if you do. Because I enjoyed thoroughly the last trip where yeah, I was like, receiving text updates of your uh, odyssey uh, as you attempted to get uh, out of the country and then back in. I thoroughly enjoyed that. So so I almost hope that you don't so that I will once again have a weekend of being entertained by texts from you while you try thanks, to – Thanks, buddy. I, I'm really glad that my stress and trauma 
just does it for you. Well, it wasn't so much stress and trauma as, you know, frustration and just general enjoyment from you. I was stranded in Miami Beach for two days. What a terrible place to be. I had to hang out at the beach. Miami Beach. It was terrible. I had so bad. I was just, had this time to myself. I had to go to the movies. I had to put my feet in the ocean. It was terrible. (laughs) Awful. Awful. I was stuck in Miami Beach for two days in a beautiful (laughs) condo that our friend owns. It was just awful. It I had was. delicious food in some museums. It was it was torture. Okay, yeah. it was fine. Uh, it, was, it all worked out fine. You can find us online at facebook.com slash photobombpodcast. You can find me at com. You can find Gary at hughesfioretti.com. Yes, indeed. And you can email us questions at photobombpodcast.com, and you can get all that information on our actual website, which is photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. See you later.